Hello everybody, the first question would be to anybody's mind Why am I fascinated and interested in hadith? Well my journey starts uh, when I was uh, 15 or 16 and I started praying uh, frequently in my local masjid and I kept hearing that the Prophet said this, said that and I was intrigued uh, because we were brought up uh, in a in a culture uh, of loving the Prophet the Prophet was an authority and so I was fascinated uh, about what I was hearing about the Prophet but a question always remained in my mind that how do I know that he really did say this or is it really true? Some of the things that I was hearing were mm, a bit far-fetched. But I, uh, at that age, I really didn't know anything about hadith. I didn't know about the books of hadith. I couldn't read Arabic um, in the late 90s there was not much published literature in the United Kingdom about hadith and at the age of 18 uh, I had to leave uh, my home and uh, come to Birmingham uh, in the United Kingdom to study medicine and it was a real uh, cultural exposure for me I met different types of Muslims who prayed differently to me, who spoke differently to me, who had different outlooks. And for the first time in my life, I was exposed to a scholarship, to ulama. And I began to hear more ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And that just sparked even more uh, intrigue in me with regards to... Uh, what were hadith? Where did they come from? And I remember one of the first hadith books I ever read was uh, in the English language called Jewels of Guidance. And I was fascinated by this book. And it was a, a book that just spoke about, uh, you know, uh, nuggets of gold, as I called them at the time. You know, how to uh, uh, practice Islam uh, and do good deeds and the rewards of them. And I was uh, still at medical school at the time, so I carried on my medical studies. But it wasn't until the final year of my studies that I really decided that, uh, you know, I really needed to start studying Arabic. Uh, it was no longer good enough to read a hadith in English uh, and read English books about the Prophet ﷺ. I had to start learning the original language. And therefore... Uh, my early tentative steps in learning Arabic began uh, and I would stop and start and, and revisit uh, and it was not until I truly finished my postgraduate training and finished my postgraduate exams uh, that I enrolled on a systematic uh, course uh, uh, at Asufa Institute in Birmingham uh, and I remember the day vividly. It was the 
the day I finished my last postgraduate exam and I drove from the exam which was uh, in Stoke-on-Trent in the UK I drove down the motorway straight to uh, the Asufa Institute and I enrolled uh, in the uh, part-time Alim course there uh, and I vividly remember uh, really trying to formulate in my mind what was I doing and why was I doing it and it was the pull of the Prophet for me I wanted to know more about the Prophet I wanted to know more about Islam uh, but I knew that there was a way to do that classically uh, and that uh, students of knowledge had studied in a particular fashion uh, throughout the centuries and I wanted to be part of that cultural heritage I wanted to be part of that fabric um, and I really was at that age of 24-25 starting to formulate my own identity and where I belonged I you know, really felt that my roots were in Islamic culture and Islamic heritage and I wanted to be part of that even more uh, and so I enrolled and my intention was that I wanted to get to the famed and famous year of Dora Hadith and the reading of Bukhari and Muslim that I had heard so many people talk about in the community amongst the uh, Jalus and the, uh, the Dars that I was attending that this person was in the final year and he'd got a, 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 a Nijaza and he'd finished this book and I was just amazed and so I set out with that intention in my first year uh, and I always kept that in focus of where I wanted to get to where I wanted to be and I I remember remarking to one of my class fellows that my aim was to get to that year in which I would be able to hear the hadith of the Prophet or be able to read them in the Arabic with a teacher. And whenever I fell on very hard times in my life or was uh, afflicted by uh, ill health or trials and tribulations, I kept that focus in mind that it was to read the words of the Prophet وسلم, his blessed legacy uh, uh, and that's what I wanted to uh, achieve and my point in mentioning all this is that, um, twofold is uh, so that uh, you uh, have an indication of or uh, have a flavour of where I'm coming from but also uh, to just indicate to you that sometimes you, we uh, come to studying Islam very late in life but that is the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes we are much more mature later on in life than studying it in our early teens uh, and we come to formal studies like I did at the age of 25 and alhamdulillah I'm still studying with my uh, teachers uh, and to come to the formal study of Islam later on in life is not a bad thing. The maturity of mind, the skill sets that we have and possess of studying, organisation, 
uh, allows us to progress much more rapidly in understanding the sciences than, uh, let's say, someone who is uh, very young at the age of 18, uh, 19 or 15. And so, um, you know, we, we need to uh, be aware of, uh, you know, and, and, and be uh, thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he allows us uh, to study and 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 have the faculties and the tools and the means to study and the uh, second point i wanted to make was that that when you do study uh, and you embark on any uh, any form of study whether that be uh, uh, in the religious sciences or uh, other sciences uh, or humanities or nothing to do with religion that you must always have a goal you must spend some time thinking what is it that you want to achieve where do you want to get to and that will uh, uh, be something that you will fall back on in times of trials and tribulations which will come because that's the the nature of life the fabric of life trials and tribulations come but what is your end goal where is it that you want to get to Uh, and for me uh, that was a hadith and I wanted to be able to read the ahadith for myself in the Arabic language and be able to pick up these huge encyclopedic works that I'd seen and be able to traverse them, to access them uh, and just connect to that rich heritage of Islam that I knew had existed. So it's really important that you uh, that you have that intention, that you have that resolve uh, and you will see the fruits of that uh, 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 as long as you're true to yourself and, and, and to that particular goal. So I look forward to uh, starting with some uh, uh, proper hadith discussions next time. Thank you for listening. Assalamu alaikum. So continuing with my uh, journey of hadith, um, after about two or three years, we'd uh, really got a hold and grasp of Arabic grammar and reading of the Arabic language. Uh, We were studying uh, principles of uh, Hanfi jurisprudence and uh, getting quite uh, uh, through, um, you know, basic Hanfi primers in fiqh such as uh, uh, Mukhtasar al-Quduri, uh, which is a book that outlines the the fiqh of, for example, uh, purification and salah and hajj and zakat. And by the end of, I think, around about year three or four, we'd uh, really started uh, our first text in Asul al-Hadith, uh, which I can remember quite vividly. Uh, and... Uh, our teacher, uh, Molana Shazada Khan, uh, went through a introductory primer, uh, and it was a book called Asul al Hadith by Sheikh Birgawi. And Sheikh Birgawi was a Turkish scholar, and he, he penned a, a pamphlet on the introductory terminologies that the scholars use in Asul al Hadith. And I remember quite vividly at the time and when I look at my notes that I made on the on the book uh, I, I, I found it quite difficult 
because it was the first time being exposed to this sort of use of the Arabic language uh, and you know the, the the terminologies were quite difficult to grasp uh, and one of the things that I learned from my teacher uh, was not only the uh, principles of hadith and, and, and these terminologies that uh, uh, I speak about but also the art of uh, teaching itself and uh, one of the things my uh, teacher uh, used to do was always review the lesson beforehand I, in two ways one, introduced the principles that we were going to study today and what the text, uh, the salient points that would be coming up in the text. Uh, and secondly, he would always review the lesson that we'd just computed, uh, completed, going through the major uh, salient features and making us as students recollect them. And I, I, I found that a very uh, useful teaching technique that uh, I, I continue with today. So after we... Uh, completed Asul al-Birghawi, Asul al-Hadith by Sheikh Birghawi, we moved on to another text uh, called, uh, uh, I think it's called, if I recollect correctly, Muqaddamat al-Hadith by Abdul Haq al-Dailawi. And we completed this text and it again, it just was a stepping uh, stone uh, to future texts and it was a, a level higher than Asul uh, al-Hadith by Birghawi. And again, we completed this text with explanation. And now I was starting to really understand some of the terminologies that the Muhaddithin would use. And I found it a really enjoyable uh, read. And... Uh, I often refer back to uh, the text itself when looking up or revising uh, terminologies. Um, and after this period, uh, uh, we uh, studied Nukhbat um, al-Fiqr. Sorry, we didn't study Nukhbat al-Fiqr. We studied the Muqaddima of Ibn Salah. And... I remember Mullah Shazad telling uh, telling me that uh, between uh, us studying uh, the uh, work of Abdul Haqqal uh, Dailawi and uh, Muqaddam ibn Salah, uh, my teacher, he um, went to Jordan. And in Jordan, he met uh, uh, the great uh, scholar of Hadith, the great researcher, Sheikh Shweba Arnaut and he advised him uh, that uh, not to study Nukhbut al-Fiqr but to go to Muqaddimah uh, ibn Salah and that was the reason why we were studying this text and Sheikh uh, Shweba Arnaut he gifted Mullah Shazad a copy of uh, Sunan Abu Dawood and uh, I remember vividly uh, Mawlana Shazad telling us that uh, even if we were interested in hadith and hadith collections that the uh, books of uh, uh, 
Dr. Shweb Arnaut were the ones to, uh, to, to, to get, uh, which I uh, duly did purchase. Uh, and I have used uh, extensively since since that time and I found them very, very uh, useful additions. I, Bukhari, uh, Abu Dao, Tirmidhi. I've not managed to find uh, a copy of Muslim by uh, Dr. Shweb Arnaut. Uh, but again, I find the, the books very easy, uh, very, very well laid out, easy to cross-reference. And so we didn't actually complete the whole of Muqaddamah ibn Salah. Now, this is a book that uh, ibn Salah, he, uh, he didn't actually author this book. It was a, 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 what can be best described as transcribed lectures of his at uh, the uh, Madrasa al-Ashrafiyah in Damascus, where he, uh, he gave lectures and these were the the results of the the lectures, and he, and he, and they were collated into a, a book form. And we completed around about seventy five percent of it before we moved on to the muqaddima uh, of uh, Imam Muslim, uh, the, which uh, Imam Muslim himself penned as an introduction to his Sahih. Uh, it's a masterful uh, introduction. Uh, a very early introduction to Asul uh, al-Hadith historically. Uh, it's a very difficult read, uh, but it's full of benefits and advices. And we studied this uh, in its entirety from beginning to end. And in it, Imam Muslim, he outlines his uh, methodology in compiling his Sahih. Uh, how he views the narrators of hadith, how he has organized them uh, in his sahih. Uh, and he also talks about uh, other subsidiary issues. Uh, and one of the most famous ones is the, the final aspect of this introduction, uh, which is the concept of uh, what we call mu'an an hadith, where we have between two narrators the term an appear. Uh, and he discusses his views on that in quite forceful, forceful terms, one can say. Uh, uh, and he, uh, he dismisses quite disparagingly uh, those scholars who uh, oppose what he considers the consensus on the acceptability of these types of narrations. Uh, it's uh, a very fine point in the Sul al-Hadith. Uh, one, inshallah, hopefully we will cover later. But that was my kind of journey into understanding and being exposed to what we call the mustalahat the terminologies and the taxonomy the nomenclature that the scholars of hadith use so we so just to recap i studied asul al-hadith by birghawi and then we moved on to the works uh, of abdul hay uh, uh, abdul haq al-dilwi and then we uh, completed uh, Muqaddamah ibn Salah, well, the vast majority of it. And we finished off with the Muqaddamah of Imam Muslim in its entirety. Uh, and then after that, we started the uh, Mutun, the, the, the texts of Hadith, uh, which uh, we completed over a, a, a two-year period.
So uh, after having uh, completed a preliminary uh, uh, overview of the mustalahat of the uh, scholars of hadith, uh, we then proceeded in the next year to start the uh, study of the Qutb al-Sitta. Um, and the first book that we studied was the Sunan of uh, Abu Daud. Uh, and uh, we started with Kitab al-Sunan, which is towards the end of this uh, collection. Uh, and so we had one teacher uh, teaching us the second half of the Sunan, and we had another teacher teaching us the, the first half. And the other Sunan work that we studied was uh, the Sunan of Imam Tirmidhi. And again, it was the same pattern. We had a teacher who taught us the second half and a teacher who taught us the the first half. Uh, and we went through the, the Sunan works in uh, quite a bit of detail, um, focusing much more on the rulings from the Ahadith rather than the, the Asanid. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, when you study the Qutb al-Sitta, uh, you start with the Sunan works. So after the uh, Sunan works uh, in year two, uh, we started the Sahihain. Uh, we started with uh, Sahih Muslim. Uh, again, two teachers. Uh, one uh, took what we consider the opening parts of Sahih Muslim and another took the second part. And uh, the same with the uh, Sahih of I- Imam Bukhari, uh, 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 which was a, a much more uh, intense study of the issues uh, that Imam Bukhari presents uh, uh, being a very complicated and layered book of uh, hadith with uh, chapter headings that are very pertinent uh, and very important to understand as well as the hadith that Imam Bukhari uses uh, in those particular chapter headings. And sometimes it's very difficult to understand the correlation uh, uh, between the chapter heading and the hadith, uh, but that's where the you know the subtleties and nuances of uh, Bukhari uh, lie. Uh, so it was uh, a very intense year uh, studying the Sahihain, and we finished it off uh, by uh, also looking at the Sunan of Ibn Majah with its unique chains and the Sunan of Imam Nasai. And we also uh, looked into the Muatta uh, of Imam Malik uh, with the, the recension of Yahya bin Yahya al-Laythi. Uh, because prior to starting the Qutb al-Sitta, we also had uh, looked at the Sunan of, Ima, uh, of the Muatta of Imam Malik but by the recension of Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani. So it was a, a, an interesting uh, comparison to make between, the, between these two recensions so that in generally uh, in general kind of completed our preliminary study of these uh, books that represent represent the corpus of the sunnah uh, as we know it today i the 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 sunnans of imam abu daud and imam tirmidhi uh, ibn majah and nasai uh, together with the two sahihain of uh, bukhari and muslim and so the whole purpose of these two or three years was simply to equate oneself with where uh, the hadith are in these books, how these hadith books are uh, uh, kind of arranged and what the 
what the uh, purpose of these books were and 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 really uh, in-depth study would you know uh, come after this period of what I call orientation.